0: Hello and welcome to Second Look, the show where we pause and re-examine things going on and ideas in politics and culture. Um, Really excited about this week's episode. It's a little bit longer than usual, but I have special guest Tyler McNally on, um, and we're talking about what it means to be a conservative. So um, stick around, enjoy Tyler's commentary, and yeah we'll get into the episode. All right, as I said in the intro, I am here with the one and only Tyler McNally. How are you Thanks doing? Thanks so much for joining me, Tyler. you for having me. Um, why don't you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. Um I'm a uh, senior at Liberty University. Um I uh, am majoring in history uh, with a minor in biblical studies. Um, I've been involved in politics uh, through social media, um, not as much on the ground, but through writing and social media for about four years now, um, Four pushing on five. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been a passion of mine for pretty much since... Um, a little halfway through high school so a long time now um, a lot of time and energy spent uh, reading understanding arguing um, so it's a pretty big passion um, I love the topic that we're talking about today um, I feel like too many don't understand just the ideas of conservatism um, and going to Liberty that helps but I mean what's happened recently with the president Um, jerry Falwell jr it's kind of pushed me to go a little bit farther to help the idea push the idea of conservatism and what it means to be a conservative through your beliefs as a christian or not as well as how you should deal with public figures
0: so awesome um well first and foremost i guess just give us like as short of an answer as possible as to what you think conservatism is.
1: Yeah. Um, Ben Howe put out a video uh, for his group uh, at CPAC, and he asked two guys to answer it. And um, The first guy said, uh, I think one of them said fiscal responsibility and limited government, which is, I think, the consensus answer. But I think it also, you need to take into account of the strong moral idea of conservatism where you don't want to allow the culture to get so far degraded and devalued where you can't teach your children how to act in a functional society without having to worry about them being I don't want to say brainwashed because I think that's that word is overused, but just taken to the point where you can't allow them to watch basic television without being ingrained with this idea of moral depravity um so i think that takes into a big account of how conservatives are supposed to work in society
0: okay cool so i i agree with you that there's a lot more to it than just the politics um that it's also a very cultural thing and lately i've been uh because you know i'm like conservative libertarian ish um and I've been trying to figure out exactly like what my personal ideology is um, mm-hmm. and where that falls on the spectrum of conservatism. And I've come across two definitions of conservatism that I kind of waffle between that I really like. Um, one of them comes from Russell Kirk, and he has 10 conservative principles laid out that I'm going to go through with you in a minute and just ask you about all 10. Yeah, sure. And then um, another one comes from Michael Oakshot, mm-hmm. And I am just kind of getting introduced to him. I, I found him probably about six weeks ago now. So I've been reading a lot, but his is kind of a more um, less ideological, more dispositional view. So I guess we'll, first of all, Uh, how do you feel conservatism is like, let me put a better way, what politician comes to mind when you think of a conservative politician? I
1: think as a child, as a grandchild of Reagan, everybody thinks of Reagan immediately. if you can't go to CPAC, which is like the prototypical conservative event without hearing Reagan every five minutes. Um, (laughs) I was reading a friend's blog post about CPAC and she said, if you were to do a drinking game and every time you heard the the name Reagan take a shot, you'd be dead in an hour. (laughs) Um, And that kind of sums up how conservatives think. It's immediately Reagan, 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 which I was born in 94. That, That's a long time after he left office. I'm
0: kind of tired
1: of it. Um,
0: I'm right there with you. Like, I love the guy, but it's time to move on. (laughs) Yeah, we got some new... We have the
1: guys who grew up with Reagan. Let them carry the banner themselves, not, like, looking back at Reagan. Um, So in that aspect, uh, you immediately think of it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, that's who the... Banner should be hung around. I think, um, and I think to be a conservative means you really don't have one central figure that you point to as this okay. is the guy. That's uh, fair. I think for more social conservatives, you can point to more like pastors or religious figures uh, who have dealt with that. But if you're more libertarian, I don't, I mean, look at Ayn Rand or someone who's like, a libertarian icon but i don't think there should be like one genuine thing because i i think that pushes the idea of group think where if you don't agree with what reagan did then you're like some outcast which i don't think is a good mindset to
0: have okay that that's a really uh a, a much better answer to that question than i would have given <laughs> <laughs> uh let's i guess just go through the 10 principles. Um, sure. First, I, I, well, go ahead and tell me if you agree or disagree, um, and then we'll just kind of chat a little bit about each one. Perfect. So, Russell Kirk's first principle is that the conservative believes that there exists an enduring moral order. And you already talked about this, so I already know you agree. Yeah. But um, I... I like what Kirk says here. Our 20th century world has experienced the hideous consequences of the collapse of belief in a moral order. Like the atrocities and disasters of Greece in the 5th century before Christ, the ruin of great nations in our century shows us the pit into which falls societies that mistake clever self-interest or ingenious social controls for pleasing alternatives to an old fangled moral order. Um, so, I was just talking with a friend the other day about, um, like, freedom and what it means, and he told me one of his biggest concerns is that the, the government has replaced a lot of other aspects of culture that were previously left to more, perhaps moral agencies like churches or local communities where you actually know everyone involved, things like that. Yeah. Um, so how do you think we should, I guess, strengthen those, strengthen, bring back things to the local communities and strengthen churches in society in a post-Christian America?
1: I yeah, I think to answer your first part, I think you have to answer the second part. And I think, I really, I don't like to really mix religion and politics that often. But I think that's a major part of how you save the moral order is that idea of the essence of our society is a Judeo-Christian idea. And that means you have to get the churches right. Um, You can't have all of these mega churches in the American church that are kind of indifferent. Uh, they uh-huh. claim that they're not, but in their preaching, it's like, who really cares about it? It doesn't matter that much. Um, and I think you also have the other side where it's too stringent that there is no real freedom in it. And I mean, I go I mean going to Liberty University, we hear the verse all the time, where there is Christ, there is liberty and freedom to paraphrase and like yes that's true but then again it's like the church needs to be the central part of society along with the family i think along with in a more non religious aspect the family needs to become more of an uh, central role in society um the destruction of the family is what's causing a lot of these hardships and problems within even like economic ideas um you don't you don't as my candidate marco rubio that i that i really like he says If you grow up in a poor household, you're already, like, five or six steps behind a white middle class Protestant, typically. So it's like they can't get ahead, even if they have this desire to do so. So I think you need to get the family in order, and you need the churches to become stronger and be able to survive on their own.
0: I... I'm gonna again quote kirk here a society in which men and women are governed by belief in an enduring moral order by a strong sense of right and wrong by personal convictions about justice and honor will be a good society whatever political machinery it may utilize and i think that's true i i know you and i have talked a lot about how this country's just kind of like one giant experiment and um how like that Maybe maybe we're all just wrong, and we're actually supposed to be living under monarchy and and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and I I feel like this is very much in keeping with my more conservative side as opposed to libertarian side because um, libertarians all about the the individual, but this is about individual sensibilities of morality as they contribute to society and I feel like yeah. that's very cons-
1: yeah um you were so- you're talking about like the idea of monarchy and I know you know this but some for the viewers they usually they don't I kind of ha- I have this tug and pull between this idea that we don't deserve the liberty and the freedoms that we have as Americans like we have proven time and time again that we don't fight for them so if we don't fight for them we shouldn't deserve to keep them so it's like at some point it's like i just want to just bite the bullet and just get it over with like bring on like (laughs) tyranny and just let's suffer for it like in this backwards like old testament sense that like like the israelites they went against gods for so long it's like they finally got their due but it's I mean, it's a new covenant, so we're not Israel. We don't have the same, like, promises. But it's like, we've done so much damage for so long. It's like, just get it over with. So,
0: <laughs> Oh, yeah. I feel like we'll have to have you on some other time to just talk about that.
1: That's fine with me.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, we better speed up here. We're not yeah. going to make it through all ten. Sorry. No, I,
1: I... Totally fine.
0: Okay. Principle number two. The conservative adheres to custom, convention, and continuity. Um, It's old custom that enables people to live together peacefully. Continuity is the means of linking generation to generation through convention that we contrive to avoid perpetual disputes about rights and duties. Hmm. What do you think of that? It's interesting.
1: I think the problem that we have, that we're in today is because of generational problems. Uh, when the children bicker with the parents, it produces like a continual cycle where they parents have been haven't been able to like rein in the children and like show them responsibility and how to act like adults at a young age. So like, I'm 21, and like a 21-year-old by this standard now should still technically be living at home when 40 years ago a 21-year-old was married and usually had a kid
0: so Uh it's like
1: it's you keep pushing back this idea of adulthood farther and farther and so it's like you're not going to get any like shared moral values between the two generations so I think it eventually there's going to be a breaking point where it's just going to reset and just start all over again. So,
0: you you kind of cut out there for a second on my Which end. Anyway, can you just the very tail end?
1: Oh, uh, I think eventually it's going to like go into a cycle where it's like eventually it's going to just collapse, and it's going to take a couple of generations for it to reset and restart. So,
0: so is that? Do you think it's Primarily a failure of parents to properly raise their kids. is that what you're saying?
1: I think it's a mixture between parents being they weren't parented before them, so it's like someone stopped the they someone stopped the ball too soon um, and so it's like they don't know how to raise their kids, and so it's just a continual cycle between um, children raising children in in essence so
0: and In and of itself, I'm not even going to comment. I'm just going to (laughs) say here, I another Kirk quote for this section that I really like is the continuity, the lifeblood of a society must not be interrupted. And I feel like that's something progressives often do. Is uh, you know, conservatives so often trot out that line from President Obama about. it, we're going to fundamentally transform America. I it, uh, it, Societies continue as they do. And if we try to radically change something with social engineering or uh, it, it doesn't tend to go well. No, it doesn't. And so, yeah, that's that. Kirk's third principle is that conservatives believe in what may be called the principle of Prescription. Conservatives sense that modern people are dwarfs on the shoulders of giants, able to see farther than their ancestors only because of the great stature of those who have preceded us in time. Therefore, conservatives very often emphasize the importance of prescription, that is, of things established by immemorial usage, which that includes property rights or... um, just kind of the philosophy that we are unlikely to have new discoveries in morality and politics. Yeah. What do you think about that?
1: Honestly, that's a little bit, I wouldn't say over my head. Um, but I think there comes to a point, I don't even want to like talk outside of my, like just word out, like unnecessary stuff. I don't know. Um, I really haven't studied Kirk that much, um, so I don't really want to like shoot off the uh, shoot from the hip for something I have no clue. So, um, if you study it, I want to hear your opinion on it. So,
0: okay, so uh, you kind of cut out there, but what what I heard you say is that you don't really feel like going out and shooting from the hip on this one. Yeah, is that okay? So, what I will just say is that I. I think um there's a lot of truth to that, and that conservatives are definitely um as a whole, right now, the conservative movement is not doing well um, I would say, and a part of that is because it's kind of ignoring history. um <laughs> We recognize that. The more things change, the more they stay the same, but but we kind of tend to ignore history as a movement. And conservative principles are very well supported historically. I mean, you could argue that our founding was based largely on the principles of modern conservatism, and our founders were very well read in history. And so I think this is it, it's what this principle of um, like things are basically the same as they always have been. I think it's something that should be prevalent in conservatism, but isn't necessarily there. Mm-hmm. So,
1: now why would you? What changed in conservatism? Like I like what at what not not say what moment in time, but what quality changed?
0: Well, I would say right now, wh- I think one of the big dangers in the conservative movement is our um, is being pro-business, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, that our our focus on economic issues, uh, on like macroeconomic issues yeah. of trade of um, Having a friendly tax policies and things has caused us to see people more as um, dollar signs, see people more based on their economic status and less based on who they are as a person, and th- that I think is reflected in, um, you know, in in these RFRA laws that have been going around, basically. Governors, as they've had the decision to sign or veto, have been choosing between business or people. And yeah. as as a whole, I feel like the conservative movement is more friendly toward business. And part of that is because we ignore history. I'm not yeah. sure how that connects, but... <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It feels like it connects, but I'm I'm missing a step in my logic there, so... <laughs>
1: It's better than what I would have said, so...
0: (laughs) Shall we just move on? Sure. (laughs) All right. This one, I think, is arguably um, the most important of the ten. It's certainly the one that I have been kicking around in my head the most recently, and that is that conservatives are guided by the principle of prudence. Any public measure ought to be judged by its probable long-run consequences not merely by temporary advantage or popularity. And uh, this is actually when I think about prudence and long-run outcomes of things, this is what leads me to my non-interventionist stance on foreign policy. So I'm especially interested to hear what you as a Rubio supporter have to say about this. Yeah. Because, yeah, go I ahead. mean, I don't...
1: I grew up around Washington D.C. in the mid-2000s, so during Iraq and how Bush handled it, so I think I have a little bit different pers- like idea. I grew up with a lot of military friends, um, stepdad's military, um, so it's a little bit different from my, from my perspective, but I think we do need to take into account how Themes are gonna last in the long run um, so you have to like I think I've made this statement to you on a social media before where if we're going to get involved in a war it has to be the last measure that we take it needs to be something where there's no other option you can't take it anywhere else either lives are at risk or there's a necessary evil to be dealt with so I think this willy-nilly talk that's coming out of like Ted Cruz I don't even want to talk about Donald Trump but Ted Cruz says let's make the the Middle East a parking lot or let's make see if we can turn sand into like glowing glass where it's like not only is one that like called like nearing on the edge of morally reprehensible like genocide that's not smart like what are you gonna do like How are you gonna do it what's the outcome that you're achieving or you're you're wishing to achieve um so i can't necessarily speak for the ideas that rubio has necessarily i know that i'd much rather trust him with his foreign policy experience as commander-in-chief than ted cruz um but i do think when it comes to the idea of war it needs to be a last like a last chance scenario so
0: So kind of the guiding – if I were to sum up my American foreign policy in one sentence, it would be the John Quincy Adams quote um, that – and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember it exactly. But um, America is the friend to liberty everywhere but the defender of only her own. I like that.
1: Yeah, that's nice. In other
0: words, we only go to – war our personal american liberty is immediately at stake
1: yes i still think
0: i still think the i
1: there needs to be some sort of measure for like genocides or like scenarios where there is like there is no other option not necessarily a war but like a peace effort i think that's one er, way that the u.n fails is they don't achieve peace but i do think that the only time the us military should go in as a full entity is when we are attacked or we are at a severe disadvantage um, so i do believe that's a very good quote and a very good idea of how our foreign policy should be achieved
0: okay so so this principle of prudence then um i Another kind of facet of it is just that conservatives tend to move slow, whereas progressives try to move quickly. And one way that this is, I think, very evident is in the abortion debate. Hmm. Um, It was shoved through in a court battle, and now we're going to have been fighting it for decades maybe even a hundred years conservatives will have been moving to try and get it pushed back in the pro-life direction the progressives hurried it up and now the conservatives are slowly but surely fighting fighting it back so do you feel like that is an inherent pattern in conservatism to move more slowly and if so is it a weakness or a strength
1: I think a lot of it, at least the old school conservatives, stems from the idea, um, the Christian idea of you kind of avoid conflict. Um, so, when it comes to something like abortion, they didn't want to deal with it because it's like it makes them feel bad. Like they hate it, they don't like it, but like the idea of like dealing with it is kind of foreign to them. They don't want to deal with the conflict of it. But it's gotten to the point where it's like they want to deal with it, but they have no clue how to. Um, Because Uh the progressives, they know how to one, work the media. They know how to influence the youth and the things that they want to hear and they want to see and they want to do. But conservatives as a whole, for the most part, they don't have the influence in the culture to deal with it because a lot of conservative ideals they're not very popular like they're not like who wants to like save money i i saving money is like it sucks but <laughs> you have to because you can't keep spending spending and spending you're a go broke but like that idea that personal responsibility especially as a young person is really foreign, and so they don't know how to fight against that. They don't know how to like persuade a lot of young people. You're seeing a lot of that now with what's happening with uh, Cruz and Rubio. Like a lot of young people support them, but they just don't know how to fight. Um, I think it's a good thing. I think um, too often progressives I think fight too hard over certain things and they kind of lose support. But for things that they want to deal with like abortion or gay marriage. Um, or welfare, like they they do it well. They know how to push, put, and push back hard.
0: So, are you you're saying basically that the the reason conservatives seem slow is because they don't fight? Is that? Uh, I would say that that they're very reluctant to fight. Reluctant uh, to fight. They and...
1: do it when they have to, but they usually wait until the last minute to do so. Like what you're seeing with Donald Trump. They don't want to deal with it. They thought it was going to fade. They thought it was just a fad. But in the end, it's going to kill them.
0: That's really interesting because I almost feel like conservatives fight too much. (laughs) I think we've gotten to that point.
1: I think for too long we didn't. And now we're fighting too much. And so that'll be like, I think Trump is kind of indicative of the entire thing. We wait too long. But I think. Like with rubio rubio had to fall on that grenade he had to he's had to take that step to put trump in the disadvantage where he is now but in the end it will destroy his campaign um, so you can fight too hard and until it's already too late so
0: all right oh my goodness we're covering so much stuff here <laughs> I think I'm gonna go though since we're we're running short on time. I think we're just gonna get through five today. That's fine. Um, <laughs> we'll have to maybe next week, maybe a couple weeks. Do do the last five because I'm really enjoying this. Um, principle number five is that conservatives pay attention to the principle of variety. They feel affection for the proliferating intricacy of long-established social institutions and modes of life as distinguished from the narrowing uniformity and deadening egalitarianism of radical systems. That is a very long sentence. But I think this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where where, we both feel that society needs to be um, kind of varied and... Churches and families and communities need to be strengthened. So this this quote here, um, I especially like, especially with income inequality being such a big issue, hot button topic right now. um, The only true forms of equality are equality at the last judgment and equality before a just court of law. All other attempts at leveling must lead, at best, to social stagnation. Uh, what are your thoughts on that quote? Um, I, I,
1: he stopped at social stagnation. I kind of like where he goes further. Uh, he says, uh, Society requires honest and able leadership, and if natural and institutional differences are destroyed, presently some tyrant or host... Of squalid oligarchs will create a new forms or new forms of inequality. Um, I think that's kind of what you're seeing today. Um, when you don't enforce, um, that's not, not 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 always through the rule of law, but I think that's kind of like how you push the idea of the family and equality between man and wife or man and woman, as well as in the marriage between a husband and wife and children to parents. Um, within the institution of the family you kind of people are forced to look outside of that and then they listen to what then people tell them what they want to hear and then they just kind of get just get sucked into this awful cycle of you're not going to get what you need and people don't want to hear that they need something they want to hear what they want um and so like Equality to them sounds great, but the equality is not. It's just them being put under a yoke of a society that's not fit for them. It's fit for the ruling class. And that's I mean, as a conservative, that sounds like very leftish in language. But it's kind of true. I mean, whether that's a conservative or a liberal, if you're in charge, you have all forms of equality in your hands whether the rule of law says so or not.
0: I think this is something that um, conservatives and liberals should come together on. I don't know if it'll necessarily happen anytime soon, but it's almost like we're headed toward an oligarchy as, as the federal government um, gains more power. It, you know, Bernie Sanders will blame it on the Democrats and Ted Cruz will blame it on his colleagues in the Senate. No, no matter whose fault it is, we should be able to come together and say, okay, look, this is bad. Yeah. How do we go about fixing this? I think as a conservative, the answer to that is, well, I mean, we go back to the constitution. We have our what are there 20 functions of the federal government listed and then the 10th amendment says all the rest is up to the states
1: pretty much yeah
0: yeah that's a I feel like the conservative response to that question is but it it, it kind of amuses me to see how equality is actually an issue that divides us when really it should be an Excuse me. Equality is an issue conservatives lose in the public eye, when it really should be something that is easily winnable because, you know, progressives say, oh, look, we have all this inequality. Well, what do we need to do? We need to do new complex tax codes, and we need to rewrite all of our trade laws, and we need to um, make sure everybody can go to college, and we need to (laughs) do all these things. And conservatives are like, hey, look, we can get equality. We can get greater equality. We can have less of, uh, of, of an authority over us if we just keep doing what we used to do way back when.
1: Yeah. I think part of it is people, while inherently don't like authority, they almost need it. And so it's like they keep going back to the barrel. Like You're going Loki on us. They don't like it, but they need it. Um, so even like equality, like they may say they want it, but the only thing they, they're going to get in the end is more overreach and, uh, federal government in their like grasp. Um, so I think even on the conservative side, the world equality is like a dirty word to us. Like, uh, huh. you don't, the only time it's brought up is when it's brought up, brought up with like a leftist agenda. Um, right. When conservative, like, just the basic idea of conservatism is within the rule of law, everyone is equal. From that, right, all of your tax code and things should follow. So as soon as you lose that, like, that should be your starting point. And I think we kind of just get lost in the shuffle of, like, trying to catch up to liberals and the liberal ideology that we kind of just, like, forget about where we came from.
0: I think that's a really good point, point. Uh, and I like your emphasis on the rule of law, because um, that's more than like just the exact wording of the law itself. It it goes back to everything we've talked about tonight yeah. about um, society and Judeo-Christian values that are, and all all these things can kind of be summed up very nicely in that rule of law yeah yeah well I think I think we're out of time (laughs) so is there anything else you like any closing thoughts you'd like to share
1: Uh, not really I think if anything the next go around that I'm on the show I think that may be a little bit better Um, as we get towards the end of the uh, conservative ideas and I mean, if it's after 3.15, we can talk about more things. Uh, as soon as Armageddon Tuesday is done with, uh, it should be fun. Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Who was it? Dan McLaughlin uh, over at Red State started calling it that, and I think it fits.
0: <laughs> I like so. the name of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, just like full disclosure for the audience here, Tyler's a huge trooper because I told him about bit before we said we were going to be going through Kirk's conservative (laughs) principles. So, uh, big thank you to Tyler for showing up. We'll have you on again very soon, um, if not next week, soon after. Um, Where can people find you online? Um,
1: I have my own personal website. Uh, It's called McNally's Musing.com. A lot of that recently has been about Liberty University and Jerry Follow Jr. Um, So, uh, I know a lot of people don't like it, but like they don't know about it, um, so they may not like it. But that's kind of been a passion of mine recently. Um, I talk about the American church, um, kind of the direction that we're going in. Um, it's all commentary, nothing breaking news. Um, so just check out some of my, my writings there. And then on Twitter, you can find me at Tyler underscore McNally. Um,
0: all right. I will try to remember to link to both of those things in the show notes. Thanks again for coming on. We'll see ya.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Second Look. We will be having Tyler on again in the future. Like he said, you can follow him on Twitter at Tyler underscore McNally. And go ahead and give me a follow while you're at it at A Z. And also make sure to follow at Outset Magazine and our awesome editor at Stephen with a PH underscore Perkins. You can find all of our outset podcasts at outsetmagazine.com or in iTunes, where you should subscribe to them all and rate them all with five stars because, I mean, let's be honest, we're awesome. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.